Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Let's exhale. Just all the ruminating, automatic thoughts weighing us down, keeping us from experiencing the presence of God and his beautiful plans for us. And inhale God's beautiful plans, his presence for you today. All God's people pray. Amen. So this past week, my wife showed me on the gram a cooking video of a grandmother cooking a kimchi jjigae or stew. Uh, she was cooking it in tandem with a uh, pork rib foundation for the broth and the meal. And it was incredible. It took hours on end. And I was watching the video and was amazed how long it took to cook something so beautiful and so good. And I replied to my wife, I could never do that. And it was the first time in my life I realized why people who cook lose their appetite. You're burnt out. You're, you're cutting up the rib, boiling it, putting it back in, and I'm just like, wow, this is really difficult. Then I remember all the times my wife and my late parents who cook for hours on, on end. Delicious meals for the family asking me, Sam, come, taste this. And me casually saying, it's good. And then I felt a sense of shame to think how much I missed the kindness and the labor of love my parents was trying to show me. Maybe not in words, because you know Asian parents, they don't say that. It's weird if they did. Sam, I love you. I'm like, no, don't say that. You know, it's like, and then I, I recalled thinking, is it too late to say sorry? Because they're gone, right? They're, they're in heaven. And one day, I'll see them again. But a lot of times we miss kindness and love from the people we care about the most because we're distracted. And that's why kindness is often overlooked. I wonder, just like that, it's a prophetic picture of the kindnesses of God that we miss, the mercies of God every day we miss in the humdrum life because we're so busy trying to survive this concrete jungle. How many times we casually, in a perfunctory manner, say, God, 
it's good. And our souls are not filled with gratitude or joy for a God that loves us so deeply, but we miss it. Tell someone next to you, don't miss it. And that's what Paul is talking about in Romans 2. And sometimes it's important when you read the scriptures, the 66 books, to remember that the authors and the editors of the, of the New Testament and the Old are not canonized in the sense where they're infallible. The, the scripture itself is infallible, the intent of the Holy Spirit. But Paul himself is kind of cranky in Romans 2, and he's cranky in many parts of the Bible. And the people he's talking about are cranky, saying you're passing judgment. You think, Paul says, you think you'll escape judgment yourself. Then he talks about wrath in Romans 1. The wrath of God is being revealed. But then he says in verse 4, it's the kindness of God that leads us to what? Repentance. I tried to lecture my kids, and I'm really good at it. I'm paid in different parts of the world to lecture but they hate it. And then I, I tell my teenage son, hey, you're not gonna hear this kind of lecture. He goes, I don't, he said, I don't wanna hear any lecture, dad. I'm 15. Put some Kendrick Lamarca, I listen to him. Or X, <laughs> X Detassia, whatever his name is. Um, culturally, I'm inept. But uh, don't, don't tell me a lecture. But it, 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 the Bible says the kindness of God, but how could the kindness of God lead us to repentance? if we miss it? How could I miss the kindness of my parents and even my wife and the love that they're trying to pour into me if I'm distracted and missing it? That's the question I want to ask. Why kindness is overlooked in our lives and why it's so paramount to capture and embrace the kindnesses of God and the kindnesses of people and the love of people in our lives or will Miss it. So I want to talk about why we miss it. The very nature of human beings, how we, in the humdrum life, trying to survive instinctually, just as a, in this concrete jungle, how we miss joy, how we miss this amazing love from God because we're distracted. And that's just one part. So let's look at this passage. And I just want to uh, break it down to two lessons from what Paul is trying to convey. And the first point is this. When Paul is writing to the church in Rome, he's talking to people that are apparently fighting with one another. We don't know what the situation is, but obviously this Christian community, they're not having a PG time. Just like our Christian community always don't have PG time with one another, right? I mean, look at the person next to you. I mean, yeah, that's what, enough said, right? I mean, sometimes you bear with one another, barely. But why are people cranky? Because the people here in Romans 2, they're kind of cranky. Paul's a little bit cranky in responding to this. We're, how many people are cranky today? Raise your hand if you're cranky today. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Helen's always cranky. <laughs> but you're a bit cranky. Why? What, what is 
behind this angst part of the human condition where we're always sort of running anxiously along this chronic anxiety and then we miss beautiful moments that God is trying to set up. Well, what is that about? Well, why we usually miss kindness? First lesson we learn from this passage is because we're usually living with a deficit. Tell someone next to you, a deficit. Yeah, it's deprivation. There's even a schema in schema therapy called emotional deprivation schema. The human being in our evolutionary framework, have needs. It needs to be loved, needs to be seen, economic needs. And you're here in the concrete jungle and all of those are competing. We're competing for all those needs we have. And so a lot of times, love is not overflowing. How many people say you're not bubbling with love right now? <laughs> you know, like it's, because the, the theologians of the past would say that when you have the love of God in you, you have something called overflow. You're flowing as a depository of the infinite love of God. And it overflows from heaven, from eternity, to your soul. And when you have overflow, you're bubbling. And it's not like that fake bubbly where you try to manipulate someone, you know, for ladies, you're trying to, you know, flirt with a guy or something, you know, or you're trying to get something from your husband. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not talking about a, a form of manipulation here. That can, we're not talking about that kind of bubbly where you get the bubblies, right? I mean, we're not talking about that. We're talking about a genuine overflow. So what happens is we're cranky because we have, we're, we're finite and we're, we have a huge deposit huge deposit of needs that need to be met. But usually we're running around with a deficit. And, and that's why the Bible is good news because it, 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 it addresses that human condition, that deficit. And all the deprivation, all the insidious, ugly things that happen in our lives, and we do, is because of that deficit. And sin is really... Striving in nothing, the acronym, because we're trying to fill that deficit. Even the ugliest things that we do. And that's why we're cranky. That's why we miss kindness. We can't even recognize it when it's in front of us because we're trying to survive. We're trying to get it met. You know, this past week, my book was released on Amazon. Thank you. Thank you. It opened up at number one in, in new releases for uh, religion and science, which was interesting. It is, there's partially about that in the book. But it was a vulnerable, every writer who gets to be published thinks no one's going to buy this thing. <laughs> it's like, and you get these glowing endorsements from very you know, celebrities and stuff like that, but you don't know how it's going to do. And for me, the experience was this deficit of, like, is, how is it going to do? Like, are you going to people read this or people are going to, you know? And, and to see how it got there was, was a kindness of God that I didn't really expect because 
I just casually this past week uh, asked Andrew Rowe and Star after they got, they got married. Star stole my driver from Staten Island, and the the person that used to love me and bring me sandwiches on Sunday, I was to be filled with that positive love. But that was a vacuum that was gone. But anyway, <laughs> she stole my driver. Anyway, but I'm grieving that loss. And I just asked, casually asked Roe, I was like, hey, you know my book is out. Did you guys pre-order? And that time he said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to. But he didn't say that. He said, oh, actually, start order 20. I said, like, I like, what? And I was like, Roe, you allowed Star to order 20? It's 20 bucks each. He's like, I know. I told her, do we really need 20? <laughs> she was like, Andrew, this is the mission of God. People need this. People need Jesus. People need the gospel. And Andrew, who used to work on staff at our church, is known to be very creative economically. <laughs> one time, one of the staff uh, asked for money for reimbursement for a Mother's Day card, and Andrew said, there's the dollar store over there. Here's the dollar. So when he spent 400 bucks, which is a good example for all of you, by the way, to plug it in. I almost missed it because I didn't expect that kind of kindness, that kind of support, that kind of love. And like I told you, I, it took me, my mom died in 2011, it took me over a decade to even understand the support my parents were giving me when they were present. Because it reminded me this past week when when Andrew and Star supported my work that way, it reminded me when my dad, the first time I ever wrote a piece for my college paper, that actually made all the way to a major New York publication that we were gonna do a feature on me, which later was dropped by editorial. I hate that. I boycott that magazine now. But anyway, I'm still grieving that. I'm grieving a lot of things. But my dad printed 100 copies of this piece and started just giving it out everywhere on the street. <laughs> and I remember at being 21, I remember being sort of overwhelmed by that. Not positively either. I'm just like, Dad, why are you doing that? It's so weird. Like, I think this is over. You know how Korean people say in, in Korean, this is over. It's like really over. I didn't know at the time what that was because I had it all my life until it was gone. I missed it. Now, it's a good picture of what God does in our lives. God the Father does, not only starting with giving us his son on the cross, what he does every day, we miss it. The deficit that exists, us trying to survive, God is already saying, you have that in me, but we miss it because we're trying to survive. We're working from that deficit. Today might be the moment where you say, God, help me see your kindnesses. Let me not miss it. Because God wants to fill the bucket. That, because we might be finite in an ideological construct, but what you need, finite, anything finite cannot satisfy. It's an infinite need. This is what St. Augustine in Confession says. Very 
poignant, powerful quote. He says, a human being as such is a huge ab abyss. It is easier to count his hairs than his moons or the workings of his heart. That, Augustine, so smart. The human being as such is a huge abyss. This abyss, this call deep unto deep is an infinite need for a deposit of love and grace and mercy and kindness that nothing in this planet can fill. Nothing. So we're running around with chicken without, you know, chicken without it because we're trying to fill that deficit with finite things that cannot. And that's the question I want to ask. How are you trying to fill that deficit? Are you going to the Father? Or are you going to places that cannot satisfy? And that's the tension of the Christian life. We miss it. That's why we're not overflowing. That's why we, don't, we, can, we miss it. And I pray the Spirit will show you today. But the Bible says there in Romans 2 that the kindnesses of God leads us to repentance. So that's the first thing. We usually miss kindness because we're running on a deficit. Second lesson. Why do we miss kindness? Because when we live to simply survive, tell someone else you survive. We tragically end up just doing that. In the garden of the Lord, in the book of Genesis to Revelation, God's first pronouncement on humanity was go be fruitful and multiply. Now, if that's also a biological pronouncement of sex, that's the only way you could produce the evolutionary framework, that's true. But it's an idea of flourishing. Idea. Thanks, Sean, I'm competing with you. I'm preaching here. It's an idea of, of flourishing. Idea of flourishing. But what do we end up doing, parents? We just try to survive parenting. Just up to, you know, some, some of the, the husbands tell me just until when I'm 40. <laughs> well, okay, just until they're autonomous. We're going to survive this horrific moment. Sometimes we're just trying to survive our marriage, we're trying to survive college. <laughs> Sometimes you're just trying to survive your 20s. The deficit, the need for affirmation. We're just trying to survive so many things that we never end up thriving. The vision of the gospel is flourishing. It's the glory of God fully alive in man. And that's the framework, the switch that has to take place. God's will is for us not to survive, but to flourish. And it's really at the center of the kindnesses of God that that takes place. Right there. So what are you trying to survive in your life today? Or that deficit is the only thing that's really on your mind. The Bible says this, and a theologian put it this way. 
pastor of Frederick Bushner, who just passed away, American novelist, who passed away this week, once said he came to Christ in Manhattan after hearing his pastor say this. He said, Jesus is only crowned. The coronation only takes place in our hearts, in confession, in tears, and in great laughter. Bushner said when he heard at the church sitting down, great, the part of great laughter, tears started filling his eyes and his whole world changed in a second. Because that's the resolution of the deficit, right? How do we get filled, the depository? It's, it's the love of God, the ever-flowing love of God. And how do we get that love? We have to confess our deficit to him. Sometimes in great tears. And what's the resolution, Bushner says? Overflow. Great laughter. Tell someone next to you, bubbly. Why are we cranky? Why are you brazenly nasty sometimes? You're, you're walking with a deficit, an infinite deficit. And so if this is not, this confounding tension is not resolved in our lives, we're always going to miss the best moments of our lives. We're just going to miss it. And we're just going to be dwelling on the worst moments and the worst thoughts. And the only way to solve this confounding tension is go to directly to the source, the ever fountain flowing, the eternal fountain of love. God is infinitely love itself. God is not just loving. He is love. Love is a person. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Today, don't be distracted. Don't miss it. Let Christ be crowned in your heart, through confession, through tears, and through great laughter. John Piper, a theologian, put it this way, God is most, we are most, God is most glorified in us when we are what? Most satisfied in him. Amen? Let's stand and pray together. I want to read you a quote as we end today uh, from Cynthia Bourdieu, a authority on contemporary spirituality. And um, she says this, our only true essential human task here, Jesus teaches, is to grow beyond the survival instincts of the animal brain, the egoic operating system into the canonic joy and generosity of full human personalhood. His mission was to show us how to do this. What is the greatest apologetic for the gospel in the concrete jungle? It's not a Christian faking bubbly joy. Or perfunctory 
cliches, spiritual cliches. The greatest apologetic in this concrete jungle will be overflow, will be confession, tears, and great laughter. When Christ is actually honored and coordinated in our hearts, you don't need to worry about if you're going to be loving to your spouse or your friends or your family. The fruit of the Spirit will simply flow out. And the great thing about this is the source, the very fountain, is in front of us that will never run dry. This infinite longing can be quenched in the river of God's love. Will you lift your hands with me today? If you're burnt out, you're carrying a deficit. Would Christ be coronated in your heart today through confession, through tears, and great laughter? I have a father. I have a father. He calls me his own. Spirit, we come before you this afternoon. I pray that self-hatred and self-shame and self-criticism would end today. You and I cannot be the hero of our own journey. We cannot carry an infinite need. We can't meet it on our own strength. The gospel's message is to come broken, come with the deficit. You don't get the glory. Tell someone next to you, you don't get any glory. Glory is overrated, people. Do you see how much Obama aged? He went from someone 40 to 70 by the time his office was over. Human beings are not meant to keep carrying the weight of glory. The gospel's message is good news. You get the joy. You get the bubbly. The champagne. The overflow. God gets the glory. He becomes what satisfies. The fountain, the eternal fountain 
ever flowing at the center of the universe. But we get the joy. I'll take that deal. That's a good deal. And that's the call today. Will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now forevermore. All God's people say, amen. God bless you guys. Enjoy lunch and sweet conversations today. Amen. Welcome to Day in the Sun. It's really good to see all of you guys here today. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Minyoung, and I'll be giving some community news before we go into today's sermon. Our first announcement is about tithes and offering. And if you're a member here at 180 Church, we ask that you remember to keep God in the center of your finances. So please continue to tithe faithfully, which you can do at Venmo, Zelle, Chase, QuickPay, or PayPal. Um, we're also asking for a $10 donation for the delicious food that we're gonna, uh, about to eat soon. So if you haven't already done so, um, you can donate through those methods I just mentioned as well. Uh, our next announcement is about small groups, which are all being held remotely during this time. This is a great place where all of us in our community, we can go into smaller pockets and smaller groups and go deeper into the word together and do life together. Um, our adult groups meet Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Our young adult group meets every Thursday at 7.30 p.m. And our college group, 180 Fellowship, is actually paused for the summer and will, will resume once school starts back again. Um, if you're interested in getting plugged in, you can come talk to me after service. Um, and we would also like to remind everyone here that we do actually have a live stream on YouTube for of our services. So if you can't make it out one week to our service at 19th and Broadway at the AMC Theater, you don't have to miss out. Um, this is a great resource for your friends and family that you would like to share with that can't physically be at service with us. So it's a great option to tune in and be part of community. Um, you can find that on our YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC at 12:10 p.m.